Bem-vindos ao podcast da Igreja da Família em Orlando. Nós te entregamos sempre um conteúdo inspirador para o seu crescimento espiritual. Olá, sejam todos bem-vindos ao podcast da Igreja da Família. E hoje nós teremos um episódio especial. Eu vou conversar com ele, que é o pastor sênior da Family Church, aqui de Orlando, pastor Chuck Carter. Mas se você não entende inglês, a nossa conversa vai ser em inglês, você pode assistir ao podcast através do YouTube, onde nós vamos legendar em português. Se você entende inglês, então vem com a gente, que eu tenho certeza que vai ser muito especial. Pastor, thank you so much for saying yes for us. It's an honor to have you here. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. Pastor, I want you here since the beginning. How did you start your ministry and when you felt that the Lord was calling you for the ministry? Yeah, I felt a call to the ministry in high school. But um, I, I tease, I say that I did the Jonah thing. I ran from ministry as long as I could. Uh, the reason, there were several reasons. Number one, I didn't feel like I was good enough to go into the ministry. And um, I, I just had known too many churches that beat up pastors and their wives and families. And I didn't want that for my family. Mm -hmm. And so I went to college, got a business degree, went out into the business world. I was able to actually go to seminary during my lunch hour. Next thing I know, I've got a degree. And so um, after I graduated, somebody contacted the seminary and got my name. And they were in St. Pete, Florida. And they asked my wife and I if we would come and talk about maybe coming on staff. Mm. I kind of pushed back a little bit, but they said, look, we'll put you up on St. Pete Beach. So, you know, why don't you come? So we did. And, uh, and when my wife and I were dating and I knew we were getting serious, I said, look, I'm running from God. Uh, you know the track record, probably won't be able to run all my life. So if you can't be a pastor's wife, break this off. She was more called than I was, really. Really. And so we went to that church and we just felt like God was leading us mm -hmm. there. So we went back, I resigned from my position. Um, we resigned a part-time church we were doing there. And then my wife goes, you know, we may want to find out what they're going to pay us, right? So we contacted the <laughs> Beginning church. Of life, that's... Oh yeah, we contacted the church and they were so proud to tell us they were going to pay us a third of what I was making at the time. Wow. But we loaded up a U-Haul, went to St. Pete, uh, and that was about 35, 40 years ago now, mm -hmm. and our lives have been never been better since really saying yes to God. So how many years have you been in ministry? Yeah, I was trying to think of that. I think uh, we began ministry in 1994. Wow. So, yeah. So it'll be, what is that, 50 years next, or no, 40 years 40. next, next uh, year. That's amazing. And you, through all these years, you could see all the different movements of the gospel, right? How, how as a church, you relate with, that, with them? Yeah, I, uh, I've always been a student of the church mm -hmm. and wanted to know, and, and again, my, my business background, my spiritual gifts are in the area of administration and mm -hmm. leadership, and um, I've always been interested in what God was blessing in the mm -hmm. church. 
And it didn't take me long in the ministry to know that traditionalism, traditions many mm -hmm. times get in the way of churches being on mission, mm -hmm. um, comfort, and many churches just were not on mission for God. And mm -hmm. so I would look and study those churches that God was blessing, not just because of necessarily because of growth, because churches can grow because of a mm -hmm. lot of reasons, but where I really felt like God was blessing what they were doing because they were on mission. And I've seen everything from a discipleship model to what we call mm -hmm. the attractional mm -hmm. church model to now pretty much the missional church model that we're actually like the book of Acts being sent mm -hmm. out into the community to go and live out our faith. And what happens in the four walls of the church is still important, mm -hmm. but it's become far more important what happens outside of the walls. We come here to be equipped, to be encouraged, uh, to go out and to be missionaries in, in the culture. That's amazing. I, I used to be, a, I, well, everybody's a missionary, That's right. right? That's right. But I was a <clears throat> full-time missionary for almost 10 years. And I, I'm always so excited when I see a church that love missions and love to have an impact in the community. Yes. So as a church, how do you guys, um, what is the ministry that we have here that impact the community. I know you guys, we have a school here, which my, my son is a student, yes. he loves the school. But can you share more about what the family church does in the community? Yeah, you know, um, when you look at the books, book of Acts, the early church, they met in the temple courts, but they met in the homes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and when Paul went to start a church, he would find uh, a family that came to know the Lord and he would plant a church mm -hmm. in their house. And we just believe that the best model today is neighborhood churches speaking the neighborhood language, mm -hmm. ministering in a neighborhood context. So we have a campus in East Winter Garden. Mm -hmm. Because it's in East Winter Garden, we have a gospel service. Mm -hmm. um, and it reflects the community. Why? Because we know that they're probably not going to come here because it's a different culture. Mm -hmm. So we say that we're a multi-campus, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational mm -hmm. church. And by that, what we're really saying is we want to reflect the community that we live in. And so our Four Corners campus mm -hmm. is going to look different because uh, it's really a Brazilian campus. Yeah. And it's able, there's a lot of, a large Brazilian population down there. So it's reaching a lot of Brazilians there. I mentioned our uh, East Warner Garden campus, a gospel service. We're sitting in Windermere. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods used to live a mile from here. Shaquille O'Neal lived a mile from here. A totally di different mm -hmm. demographic than we have at East Warner Garden or even at Oakland. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we just feel like God has called us to reflect the community as much as we can. Mm -hmm. We can't you know, reach everybody in the community but uh, we want to do our best to reach as many people as we can in the community that we're in. So we have five campuses right now in three communities, Brazilian, Spanish, and English. Um, our goal is to increase, not by growing larger campuses, but by adding more campuses mm -hmm. that are going to minister to their communities. That's amazing. 
Yes. Okay. Talking about Brazilian community, yeah. uh, everybody. When I start, when when people see me in the US, they think I'm American because I'm very white and blonde. But then when I start speaking, everybody, mm, your yeah. accent, you are Brazilian. I try to lose my accent, but it's so hard. Right. Anyways, tell me how mm. was um, how was you, when you met Pastor Lesio and you guys decided let's have a Brazilian community here. Yeah. Well. Uh, Pastor Leshu approached us about renting the chapel across mm -hmm. the street. And Mark Williamson, one of our deacons, um, and he's also in charge of facilities, he's the one who really started noticing the Brazilian community. Mm -hmm. uh, he set up that they would meet there and all. And he kept telling me, you and Pastor Leshu need to get together, right? So we met, and it wasn't, it was just instantly, I knew... I love this man. This man had a heart for the Lord. This man had leadership. And uh, so I, I, we, we got to talk, and um, I just feel like we're better together than we are mm -hmm. apart. And I wasn't asking him to come on and be a ministry of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's not like we're an Anglo church that happens to have a Brazilian service. No, we're a multi-ethnic church. And, and I saw that from the very beginning, that that's what I wanted us to be. And just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated the eighth the anniversary eighth. Mm -hmm. of the Brazilian community. And it's amazing to think that in the chapel, there were 38 people mm -hmm. that started in the chapel. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they had over 300. In fact, almost weekly, the Brazilian community mm -hmm. is averaging over 300 in three different services at three different locations. And um, it, it just makes us a better church. Mm -hmm. You know, I think most people, when they think of heaven, they through, do it through the lens of their culture and their yeah. language, right? Mm -hmm. We're all going to be, you know, in heaven speaking English, singing mm -hmm. praise songs, right? Well, no, that's not mm -hmm. the case. And so whenever we are a church with three different languages, it's a reminder that heaven is going to be this incredible place where we're all come together with one voice, praising God together. That's amazing. Yes, we have 100,000 100, Brazilians, I think, living in Orlando yeah. area. So it's a lot of people. It's a lot of work to do. Yes. And I'm so happy that. And a lot of really good cheesy bread mm. and, and really good <laughs> Brazilian barbecue. They are having cheesy bread. No, Brazilian right. barbecue are the best. Yes. Yeah. They are having cheese bread right now. That's what I heard. Lesson. That's what I heard. That's amazing. Pastor, I want to hear from you. Uh, what is the biggest challenges that as pastor, maybe this is some advice you can give for other pastors, that you have um, leading Brazilians, Spanish, like Spanish people, or, you know, different yeah. kind of people, yeah. and American, all in the same country, the same yes. city. What is the biggest challenge that you face? Every culture has their own um, way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things we discovered on the staff is that um, for, for somebody... Uh, in the Brazilian culture, they will, they will ask more questions and um, almost to, uh, to an English culture seem like they're confrontational. Mm -hmm. When they're not confrontational mm -hmm. at all, that's just the way the culture is, that they ask mm -hmm. those questions 
And in fact, they feel like it would be rude if they didn't ask mm -hmm. those questions. And so it's just understanding the different cultures and, and that we do things differently, but that's okay, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and for me, it's learning as much as that as I can. Um, Christmas is an example. Mm -hmm. America Christmas Eve, that's the church uh -huh. time. That's where everybody comes to church. Presenting culture, it's Christmas Day. Yeah. That's when you come, right? Um, same thing in Spanish culture. There's a whole different, mm -hmm. uh, there's several things that are different and unique in that culture. And so I've really had to become a student of that culture, learn from Pastor Leshu, learn from Pastor Joel, uh, so I, I would know more about how to lead in a, a multicultural setting. Yeah, th this that you are uh, sharing about Brazilians, that's actually very true. Like, for Brazilians, if I want to ask you, do you want a cup of water? Instead of I say, Pastor, do you want a cup of water? I say, hey, Pastor, I was wondering if maybe one day, <laughs> I am guessing if, like, you know, yeah. we are not that direct. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's really a challenge. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it really is good um, because I'm learning more about other cultures mm -hmm. in the process. And, and, you know, our differences are small yeah. compared to what brings us together, right? The gospel and, and that we're one in Christ. Whenever we have large church events where we get all three cultures together, mm -hmm. um, man, everybody walks away with complete joy because we'll worship in three different languages. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll experience some of each one of the cultures. You know, something that I love about this church is that you can find programs for all the ages. Like, I have my son, he's four. Mm -hmm. He, there's like a lot of programs for him. Uh, I have a school for him here, yeah. uh, so many things. But I also like, I, I see this in the Brazilian community. Some parents, they just speak Portuguese. Right. They came from Brazil, right. uh, but their sons and daughters, they was born here in US, so yeah. they just, they speak more English than right. Portuguese. Right. And it's so amazing to find a place where the parents can relate and feel, feel welcome, but also the kids that were born here also have a space for them. Yes. This is something amazing about the church and how, um, how you guys can put everybody together. Yeah. You are talking about the different generation, not just the language or the culture, right? Right. In fact, I think that our model gives you the benefits of a large church mm -hmm. because, like you said, we have two different preschools. We have, you know, a really amazing kids ministry, student mm -hmm. ministry. But so it gives you the benefits of a large church, but the large church is spread out mm -hmm. in five different campuses, 13 different services. So you have the intimacy of a smaller church. Mm -hmm. And um, and the big, huge 3,000 seat worship centers, that's a boomer phenomenon and people really aren't looking for that as mm -hmm. much today. They want to be known yeah. and they, they want to be in an intimate setting. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really ever looking for a service with 3,000. Mm -hmm. I want 10 services running 300. That's amazing. So that mm -hmm. we can, and we're raising up leaders in the process. So tomorrow morning, we'll have our teaching pastors meeting. We have eight men who get together and work on the message 
I learned from those guys, they learned from me. And then some of these younger guys are being mentored by us older guys mm -hmm. and they're preaching every week. And so we're raising up the next generation of leaders by this model. I, something that I love about Pastor Lesu and also about you is that you, you guys, like life in the ministry are just amazing. Everything that you have done, uh, but at the same time, you are always open to learn from the next generation. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's incredible. The other day, we had a pastor here from Brazil. He, he's 28 years old, very smart. I met him, yes. You met him? Yes. Okay, he's incredible. And I was there, and I was watching Pastor Lesu, and Pastor Lesu was like putting attention on him. I, yes. was, I was thinking, what this guy has to, there's something that pa Pastor Lesu doesn't know yet, but the teachable heart, I think yeah. that's amazing and is something that very inspiring for us. Yeah. You know, our principle is leaders are learners. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly learning. In fact, Paul told Timothy, don't let people look down on you because of mm -hmm. your youth, right? And so um, I want to know as much as I can about the spiritual needs of the next generation. Um, not necessarily because I may be able to directly impact them, mm -hmm. but I can put people on our team who will directly mm -hmm. impact them. And, uh, and so, so, yeah, it's interesting to know the generations, what they're going through. Man, I, I would hate to be a young person growing up in the mm -hmm. culture that we're living in today. Uh, and so we need to do everything we can as a church to meet their needs, to love on them, to equip them. Uh, and to give them the best experiences we can. Yeah. Pastor, the last question I want to ask you is, what is your dreams for the future of the family church? You know, I, um, I would like for, um, for us to continue to grow out this model. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son serves on a church in South Florida that has 14 campuses. Wow. We have five, right? <laughs> and so, so I'm up to 50. I mean, I'm fine with 50. And we have Brazilians. We have Spanish. Who knows what the next mm -hmm. language might be, right? Um, and really for it to be a movement on the west side of Orlando to mm -hmm. say family church is known as a church that cares about its neighbors, mm -hmm. that loves the Lord, that doesn't compromise on the gospel, mm -hmm. um, and, and that is a place where you're welcome and you'd love to be a part of. That's amazing. I am really glad to be part of this church. It's great and having you. to have the honor to walk with you and Pastor Lassie and all the people that um, work here and is staff here or volunteer here. Pastor, thank you so much for being here. Thank it's you for having me. It's a pleasure for us, and I hope you can have more Absolutely. interviews like that. I, I feel that we have so much to talk about, yes. and I think we have, you can have more opportunities like that. Thank you so much. Se você gostou dessa entrevista, se te abençoou, se você entende um pouquinho de inglês, aproveite para praticar o seu inglês através dessa entrevista. E se você não entende, lembrando que você pode assistir lá pelo canal do YouTube, a gente vai legendar tudo para vocês. Eu espero que você tenha sido abençoado e se você vem para Orlando, para a região de Orlando, 
aproveite para visitar a Igreja da Família, tanto o campus que fala português, o campus que fala inglês, ou espanhol, caso você queira praticar o seu espanhol. Se você mora aqui, está mais de convidado para congregar junto com a gente, mas se você visita a igreja, você também será muito bem-vindo. Deus te abençoe e até a próxima.